I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. If you've listened to my shows before, you know I'm a chiropractor. And my team of doctors, we're very good at chiropractic and we work on the bones and put your joints back in place. But I've always said if I could some reason, for some reason never be able to adjust another bone again in my life, I could make an entire pra- multiple practices out of working with people with digestive orders. And the number one thing we see in our offices is something called a hiatal hernia. Now, it's oftentimes overlooked as a cause of disease. Now, this was interesting. I've seen it a lot, but the American Digestive Society has estimated that nearly half of all adults have a hiatal hernia. I think it's higher than that, but that's what they say. I find about 85% of patients I test have some type of digestive orders, problems. Now, it occurs more often in women than men, but I see it in a lot of men too, and it affects all ages, uh, most prevalent in people over 50, and if you're over 65, uh, chances are it's going to be a problem. Now, the problem with the hiatal hernia It's called the great mimic because it mimics so many other problems. A person with this problem can have severe chest pains. They might think they're having a heart attack. Uh, They think they have overproduction of acid in their stomach because they're regurgitating stomach acid. Now, I see this all day, every day. I have patients come in my office all day, every day, uh, and they have acid reflux or heartburn. I had one just the other day, young kid, 15 years old, and severe attention deficit disorder. The kid couldn't focus. Um, Big, big issues. And so what we did was I sat down with the mother, and the mother was very excited to be there, and the kid was there just staring off into space. And as I did a consultation with them, whenever I see emotional issues, I always ask about digestion, and I say, is there, does he have any acid reflux? Kid said, no. Mother said, no. I said, any burping, a heartburn? Oh, he throws up his food a lot. He chews it and swallows it again. And I said, okay, well, that's acid reflux. But again, they didn't know what that word meant. And the reason I ask that is the stomach has a job. And your stomach's job is to take proteins and break them into something called amino acids. Now, the amino acid tryptophan combines with vitamin B6 and creates a chemical called 5-HTP, which becomes serotonin in your brain. When you're dealing with ADD, ADHD, anxiety, uh, you got to look at the neurotransmitters in the brain. Serotonin is your happy neurotransmitter. It makes you happy. So if you're not giving the body the raw materials to produce the serotonin, the serotonin can't be produced. Serotonin in the brain becomes melatonin, which then helps you sleep. And so a lot of times when people have emotional disorders or acid reflux, they can't sleep. And I'm going to go into that a lot further as as we go through the show today. But if you can take the stomach and physically pull it away from the diaphragm, the stomach relaxes. We're going to go into detail about that too. And now the stomach is able to break proteins into amino acids to produce the neurotransmitters. And then your brain starts to work again. Tyrosine becomes dopamine, which gives you pleasure. And so a lot of people are just miserable. There's no pleasure in life. Every single case I've ever seen in 35 years, there's a digestive problem. So what happens is after you eat, your stomach may hurt badly and you think you have an ulcer. This is just a few of the symptoms that can occur with this disorder. So it's like I said, it's a great mimicker. What is hiatal hernia? When you swallow, food passes down a long tube in your esophagus into your stomach. The tube has to pass through a muscle called the diaphragm. The diaphragm is located at the, bo- at the bottom of your ribcage. Now there's an opening in the diaphragm called the lower esophageal sphincter that permits the esophagus to pass through, and those sphincter muscles open and close, allowing you to swallow food and then pass as it passes through the diaphragm. When it closes, it prevents stomach acid from coming back up into the throat. So it's a sphincter. It opens and closes. 
Now, hiatal hernia occurs when the top of the stomach either rolls or slides up into the opening and becomes stuck there. So this is a big issue. So the stomach, uh, symptoms uh, in the stomach uh, occur when, when part of the stomach is forced up into this opening. Now, the sphincter can't close properly. So if you can imagine, there's a hole, the stomach pushes up through it, and it wraps around or, or prevents the stomach from doing its job, and then you have a problem. So the stomach acid may travel up the esophagus, causing burning sensations. You might know it as heartburn or gastroesophageal reflux disease. The esophagus can spasm. You can have inflammation. You can have ulcers. The cramped position of the stomach can also stress something called the vagus nerve. Now, the vagus nerve stimulates the release of something called hydrochloric acid. Now, hydrochloric acid is the acid in your stomach. This causes both either over-secretion of hydrochloric acid or under-secretion of hydrochloric acid and the other stomach enzymes. Here's the thing. Many times when people have acid reflux, they think acid is coming up into their throat, and you think it's stomach acid. Sometimes it's lactic acid. Because if the stomach is pushed up into the diaphragm and spasming, it's not digesting food properly. So if you can't digest food properly, it sits in your stomach and the food essentially putrefies or rots. Then lactic acid can be given off. So some of the acid coming up could be hydrochloric or stomach acid. Some of it could be rotten food, which is kind of that gross burping, uh, that sour burp my mother used to call it. Now, it can also affect the sphincter or the valve at the bottom of the stomach so that digestive secretions, this, this mess in your stomach, can leak out of the stomach and are lost before they're completing their job. So this is what happens. Your stomach's job is to take proteins and break them into amino acids. If the proteins aren't being broken down properly, they can go then into the small intestine partially digested, and that's when you start having the problems. So the hiatal hernia also interfere with the movement of the diaphragm. Now, the diaphragm is a muscle, and when you breathe in, your diaphragm drops, and as you exhale, your diaphragm moves up. That's how you breathe, and that's how the, the, the air goes in and out of your body. But if the stomach is pushed up against the diaphragm, the diaphragm can't drop down. And then you can have trouble breathing. Many times patients come to us and they think they have asthma, when in reality, it's not asthma, it's the stomach pushing up against the diaphragm. So since the hiatal hernia interferes with the movement, the person may be, have, have uh, trouble swallowing or breathing. Or they resort to things uh, you, like using their chest or their shoulders to expand their lung capacity, take a deep breath. So many times you'll see people... <gasps> And they're just uh, like their chest is just thrown out and their shoulders are thrown back. They're just trying to get air in their lungs. Now, the esophagus can also kink in the throat, which can irritate the thyroid gland, which can cause difficulty swallowing, uh, like capsules or something like that. And you can get the sensation of something getting stuck in your throat. How many people have that? Raise your hands. A lot of you do. Now, the irritation of the vagus nerve can cause reflex irritations. What does that mean? This, the vagus nerve comes from medulla, the part of the brain in the back of, of, the, of the skull, goes down and controls the heart, the esophagus, the lungs, the stomach, the small intestine, uh, the liver, the gallbladder, the colon, and it also links to things like the kidney, the bladder, and the external genitalia. Now, last week, if you listened to the show, we did a show on the food romance connection, how food can affect your romantic capabilities. So now we, we're going to go a little more into the nervous system portion. If the stomach is pushed up against the diaphragm, it could be irritating the vagus nerve, which can affect your romantic function. So many patients come to our office, offices, and they'll say to my doctors, I have acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas bloating, and we adjust or pull the stomach down away from the diaphragm. They'll come back in a few weeks later and go, Doc, what did you do to me? I'm like a young kid again. Or their spouse will come in and joke with you. Hey, Doc, whatever you did, do it again. We love that. Because we're stimulating or taking the stress off the vagus nerve, and the vagus nerve controls the external genitalia, and so things start to work again. 
So a hiatal hernia can start imbalances in the system, uh, such as decreased stomach acid, imbalance of the acid-alkaline part of the body, what's called the pH in the intestine, and everywhere else in the body. Now, if a person develops poor stomach digestion due to lack of hydrochloric acid, they'll have difficulty digesting and assimilating proteins and also minerals. It can also contribute to food rotting in the colon. We talked about that. So this can cause greater toxicity in the body because food is supposed to be digested, nutrients are absorbed, and then it's passed out. If the food sits in your colon for too long, it starts to rot or putrefy. Proteins putrefy and uh, carbohydrates ferment. When they rot, it gives off these toxic gases. Now, these toxic gases can get into your blood system because they pass through the colon wall into the blood. And then as the blood goes through the lungs, those gases are exchanged again, and you can have bad breath. Now, there's two types of bad breath. I've talked about this before on shows. One could be a rotten tooth or somebody who didn't brush their teeth or garlic or something like that. And a rotten tooth has a certain smell to it. But if, you smell, if somebody's breath just smells like a bathroom, trying to keep it clean here, it's usually the food rotting in their colon and the gases are being exchanged in the colon. So in many cases, we're able to adjust or pull the stomach away from the diaphragm. The food starts to digest. And now that rotten smell goes away. So that bad breath is a warning sign. It's telling you that something's wrong. Don't ignore it. So if you, have somebody, you know somebody with bad breath, I know it's a little touchy subject to talk about, but you have to know that there's something wrong either with their teeth, they didn't brush their teeth, or it's rotten in the teeth, or there's something wrong in the gut. Most of the time, it's the gut. And by adjusting or pulling the stomach away from the diaphragm, in many cases, we get amazing results with that. So this toxic condition, this undigested food, can contribute toward things like food allergies, constipation, anemia, immune issues, glandular issues, weaknesses. Two other problems the hiatal hernia may contribute to are asthma and heart disease. Now, since the hernia reduces the lung capacity and interferes with natural breathing, it can be a factor in asthma. The hernia may also put pressure on the heart. Now, let me, let me explain this to you from an anatomy standpoint. Your stomach, uh, you have a diaphragm, and you have your stomach, uh, your heart's above the diaphragm, your heart's below the, your stomach's below the diaphragm. But if the stomach pushes up, it can put physical pressure on the heart and that can cause problems. If you have a lot of gas in your intestine, that can put pressure on the hernia and push it up against the bottom of the heart. And there are a number of causes. First of all, uh, there may be a mechanical cause, improper lifting, uh, hard coughing, uh, bouts of heavy lifting, sharp blows to the abdomen. I, I remember when I was a kid, I slid into first base. The only time I ever hit the ball in baseball, baseball was not my sport. Football and hockey, great. Baseball, not my sport. Hit the ball by accident, slid into first base, knocked the wind out of myself. <gasps> Couldn't breathe. A little freaky as, as a young kid. But if you knock the wind out of you, that can cause problems. Tight clothing, poor posture can contribute to the development of this problem. Improper lifting is the biggest mechanical cause of disorder. And if the air is not expelled out of the person's lungs while lifting, it will force the stomach up into the esophagus. So when you lift, I remember when I used to work out and I was training, you know, you'd, uh, you'd exhale as you're lifting. And if you're not doing that and you're holding your breath, that can actually push the stomach up into the diaphragm. So mechanical causes are a big issue. And we see, like I said, in our offices, we see acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas, bloating, hiatal hernia uh, every 15 or 20 minutes. I wouldn't even say every day, but every 15 or 20 minutes, one of my doctors is seeing a case like this. And it's cool because it, there's not a lot of treatment for it except the mechanical pulling down of the stomach. And that's why people literally come from all over the world. We have somebody coming from Bulgaria? Bulgaria coming in, as a matter of fact. We had to sign papers for the government saying that, yes, they are coming to see us. They are a patient. We had to put down their treatment plan, their cost, 
So a lot of people, because the radio show and my TV shows go all over the world, so people will come see us. But you get that stomach fixed and people are pretty happy. But I'm going to talk about other things you need to do aside from just fix the stomach. Because if you pull the stomach away from the diaphragm, you might get some results, but there's two other things we have to address. We have to address the nerve supply to the stomach, which comes from the spine, and then we have to address the diet. And every now and then a patient comes in and they just want me to work on their, want my doctors to work on their stomach, and they're just hell-bent on the fact that that's all they want is their stomach worked on. And I tell them, you're not going to get the results you want. We'll do it, but you're not going to get the results you want. And then after about three or four or five visits, they go, now, what were you saying? What else do I need to do? So folks, if you do come see us for this condition, let us advise you as to what to do the whole package. Because if you're going to shortcut it, you're not going to get the results you want, and then you're going to say, well, I did that, and it didn't work. The only time patients are unhappy with the treatment in our offices is when they don't do what we say. Well, I came in once, and I still had headaches. Well, we're good, but we're not that good. I always joke. I said, the guy who did it one shot, he wore sandals. That was 2,800 years, 18 years ago. Uh, we're not that good. It's going to take a little bit longer to get the body to heal. So if you're coming and expecting a miracle on the first visit, sometimes it happens, but not very often. So let's talk, we talked about the physical reasons, why the stomach can push up against the diaphragm. Now let's talk about some chemical reasons. There's some nutritional issues that might happen. Hiatal hernia just about always accompanies something called a swollen ileocecal valve. Now let me explain this. The ileocecal valve is a valve between your small and large intestine, and it permits material to enter from the colon into the large intestine, but prevents material from the colon backing up into the small intestine. So when the valve becomes swollen or irritated, it may not close properly. This allows material to pass up into the small intestine or to pass, if it's stuck open, you'll have food passing from the small intestine into the large intestine. If it's stuck closed, you may have constipation. So stuck open, diarrhea, stuck closed, constipation. So it's kind of analogous to the sore backing up in your kitchen. And when the food is trying to get into the large intestine, but it gets backed up, it creates gases and it causes indigestion. And those gases can put pressure on the stomach, which presses it tight up against the diaphragm. So the relationship between the ileocecal valve and the hiatal hernia is kind of like a chicken-egg situation. It's hard to know which came first, whether it was clear that the ileocecal problem aggravates the hiatal hernia or the other way around. So things which irritate the valve, the ileocecal valve, may be the causal factors. These are the basic causes of digestive problems. Poor food combining. Let's cover that for a second. Your stomach's job is to take proteins and break them into amino acids. The stomach takes about five to six hours to take a heavy protein like a steak and pass it into the small intestine. If you eat something like a fruit, that will probably pass in about 20 minutes. So if you eat fruit with heavy proteins, combining simple carbohydrates or mildly complex carbohydrates with heavy proteins, the food's going to sit in the colon, in the stomach, and it rots. And then this rotten food goes into the small intestine. That can irritate the valve. Now, we can adjust the stomach, we can adjust the valve, but we also have to check the nerve supply to those organs. So how do you know if you have a pinched nerve going to an organ? Two things. Number one, it might hurt. Anybody have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, headaches? Raise your hands. A lot of you do. Of course, you. I, I don't think I can go anywhere and not run into people with some type of back pain. So from a chiropractic standpoint, my team of doctors are very good at fixing that. So if you have those problems, you might want to go to my website, drjoe.com, make an appointment right away. In the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge, and we would love to be your doctors. So from a pain standpoint, we're really good at that. There's other doctors that are good too, but we're really good at it. So you want to fix the, the pain. However, here's the catch. 90% of your nerves don't feel pain. So you could have a pinched nerve and not know it. So if I have a pinched nerve in my low back, that's the nerve supply to my colon, sex organs, and bladder. 
So that can be affecting my ileocecal valve function or my reproductive organs or my bladder. So pinched nerves, 10% of the time hurt, 90% of the time don't hurt. So if you have a pinched nerve, you need to come see us and let us check it. If you have pain, you have a pinched nerve. If you don't have pain, you still might have a pinched nerve. So we will check the nerves to the organs to make sure that they're not being pinched. Because many, many times, patients treat the organs when it's the wiring or the nerves to the organs. And that's why so many people don't get the results they want. So we want to check that. So if you'd like to make an appointment to come see us, whether you have pain or don't have pain, to see if you're healthy, go to my website, drjoe.com. We'll make you an appointment right away. And again, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. You can do it right online or give us a call. So pinched nerves can be affecting the organs. If you're overeating, if you're drinking with meals, if you're overeating and, and you eat when you're upset, because digestion is what's called a parasympathetic function. Parasympathetic nerves relax the body. Sympathetic nerves speed you up. So if you're stressed out, you're anxious, you just had a heartbreak, maybe somebody broke up with you, maybe a family member died, maybe you lost your job, whatever the stress is, you're stuck in traffic, and then you go to eat, digestion is a parasympathetic function, and you're trying to eat something when you're in a sympathetic function, a sympathetic mode. It just doesn't work. And so that's why it's very important to relax before you eat. And if you're stressed out, don't eat. Take a few deep breaths, maybe do some yoga, some meditation, go for a walk, go into that parasympathetic mode before you start eating. So there's emotional causes. When you get angry, you suck your breath upward. <gasps> and if you fail to release that anger, your stomach can stay up there. So many people walk around so tense. Now I've observed this, that most of the people with severe hiatal hernias have a great deal of emotional stress and it holds up inside. Now, here's the chicken and egg again. Did the stress create the hiatal hernia? Did the hiatal hernia cause the stress? Either way, you gotta fix it. Now, since a hiatal hernia is primarily a mechanical problem, the easiest and best way to treat it is mechanically. Now, many doctors have attempted surgery to correct this problem, and the results oftentimes don't work out. Because here's the thing when you have surgery. I'm not against surgery. Please understand that. I work with some of the best surgeons in the world. I refer to them. They refer to me. But when you cut somebody open, you will get scar tissue. The darker the skin the person is, the more scar tissue they're going to have. And so you want to try to avoid surgeries at all costs. If you need them, absolutely. But my suggestion would be, let's try everything first. And if we can't get everything fixed, we can always send you out for surgery. But pulling the stomach away from the diaphragm, usually a very safe, effective technique in most cases. If not, we can always send you out. So if you have surgery in the area, it can further weaken it so that the hernia will return in short order. I mean, you have the surgery, I did better, and now it just comes back up because the muscles are weak. And when you cut a muscle, it doesn't ever heal the way it should be. A better method, as we talk about, is manipulate the stomach by bringing the hernia down by hand. Now, unfortunately, you can't do this to yourself. You're going to have to find somebody who knows what they're doing, and my team of doctors are very good at this. Um, the reason is I have this condition, and I suffered for years, the burping, the acid reflux, the bad breath, uh, the bloating, the, the mood swings. And when I finally realized what it would take to get the stomach fixed, we pulled the stomach down away from the diaphragm, and now the body was able to start digesting food again, and all those problems started to go away. So it's a pretty cool thing to fix, and it's pretty easy to fix, too, in most cases. So nutritional aids. Until the problem is corrected mechanically, we have to work on the diet as well. Now, there's some nutritional therapies that might help. So we're going to talk about that now. If you want immediate relief, you can, uh, there are certain things you could take. Celery, spinach, and figs. We're going to talk about that in a second. But uh, there are certain supplements you can take that might help short-term. But it's not going to fix the problem. It's going to treat the symptom. So if you use things like slippery elm, there's an herb called slippery elm or comfrey is another one. 
These herbs help absorb some of the digestive secretion and help prevent the, them traveling back up into the esophagus and it burning. Now, slippery elm, you can buy as a tea, but you can also buy it as a powder. So if you have acid reflux, you might want to consider getting some powdered slippery elm and just mix it in some of your teas. I use about a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon. Now, I use it because it's very soothing to the esophagus and the throat. I talk a lot. And so I, I teach this to a lot of my coworkers, you know, either radio or television. And I'll say, try slippery elm tea, but you can actually take it as a powder and drink it. It's going to soothe and relax a lot of the esophagus. So if you talk a lot, that can irritate it too. Sore throats, really good for sore throats. Really good for people with irritable bowel syndrome. So if the esophagus is burning, that can help that. They also help to prevent irritation of the ileocecal valve, the comfrey and the, and the slippery elm, because it goes all the way through your colon. Now, comfrey can speed up the healing of the problem once the mechanical adjustments are made. Okra pepsin is a good combination uh, to solve this problem. That's a supplement we have in our office. It's not on our website. Our website is drjoe.com. We don't have that on the website, but we, we use another manufacturer. So if you need that, you can call our office. We can get it for you. You need to eat the nutrients that are going to help the body heal. So things like Dr. Joe's Super Greens, Dr. Joe's Essential Source, Dr. Joe's Digestive Enzymes. These are the supplements I recommend. Well, Super Greens is an essential source pretty much for everyone. I think everybody should be doing Super Greens an essential source. And it's on the website, drjoe.com. They're two powders. They taste great. Um, I take a scoop of each because the Super Greens can be a little green flavored. So I mix in some essential source and I shake it up in a jar, maybe with uh, coconut milk, almond milk. I personally like coconut and almond milk. Shake it up and drink it. You can make a smoothie out of it. It's the minimum amount of nutrients you need every single day. Now, when it comes to digestive enzymes, if you have acid reflux or heartburn, that can help. But here's the thing. If I eat a cooked meal, anything cooked, I take Dr. Joe's digestive enzymes. Raw food have digestive enzymes in them. So broccoli, cucumbers, tomatoes, avocado, salad, they're in there already. But when you cook a food, anything beyond 110 degrees, you start to kill off the enzymes. And so if I eat a cooked meal, like maybe I go for Indian food or Ethiopian food, which Ethiopia is my favorite, I'll take some digestive enzymes with me just to make sure that I can digest it properly. So it's really important that you understand when to take the supplements. But every day, Super Green is an essential source at least once a day. If I have a, a bunch of radio shows or TV shows I have to do, if I travel, um, if I got a hot date, if I'm going hiking, if I got a big event coming up, I'll take a double dose, sometimes one in the morning, one at night, just to give me the nutrients that my body needs to function properly. It also has B vitamins in it. B vitamins are necessary for nerve function. B12 is necessary to help the coating of the nerve form. It's called the sheath, the myelin sheath. And so most people don't get a lot of B12 in their diet. That's why I recommend B-complex if you're not getting a lot of B12. So super greens, essential source, digestive enzymes, minimum when it comes to this condition. But I also take adrenal support because adrenal support helps with inflammation. And my adrenal glands as I get older is not working like they used to because the organs do get older. And I want to make sure I'm getting energy, producing my uh, sex hormones, and I'm also going to make sure I control inflammation. That's why I take adrenal support. All these supplements, by the way, are on the website, drjoe.com. You can order them. If you're in the area, you can come by and pick them up, save shipping, because I don't really care if I pay the post office or not. If you want to come by the offices, all our offices have all our supplements, and you can do that. We have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. So back to acid reflux, hiatal hernia. Dietary modifications may be necessary to help the problem and keep it from recurring once we correct it for you. So since the pressure of the abdominal gas can push the stomach upward, it would be advisable to avoid gas-forming foods like beans. Now, if you are going to eat beans or split peas or something like that, that do cause gas, digestive enzymes again. A little trick you can use. I would also be wise to watch food combinations. We talked about that a little earlier. If you're going to add heavy proteins with like a steak and a baked potato, not a good idea. 
So try to eat a more plant-based diet. You won't have these problems, but you're eating those heavy proteins, those animal proteins. You don't want to mix them with things like fruit or potatoes because that's going to cause a lot of the gas problems. And be careful because you want to avoid overeating. This is a key too. If you eat too much, it's recommended that people with hiatal hernias avoid eating heavy meals after 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Because again, when you're standing up, gravity is pulling your stomach down. When you lay down, the stomach is pushed up against the diaphragm, and you're going to have those problems. That's why so many people have sleep apnea. Because if you can't, you're standing up, gravity's working. You lay down, the diaphragm can't push down, and you have that breathing problem. So, so many people with this problem have sleep apnea. We fix their stomach, the problem goes away. Now, I'm going to go to a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about how you can actually treat the ileocecal valve. We talked about that, the other end of the, of, the, of the digestive system, how you can actually fix that one yourself. You can't fix the stomach yourself, but I can show you how to work on the ileocecal valve. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. If you'd like to make an appointment to come see us, if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, if you have digestive issues, we would love to be your doctors. If you've ever been in a car accident, ever, if the car was damaged, you were damaged 100% of the time. So if you want to make an appointment, do it right now before you forget, because we all get busy. Go to my website, drjoe.com, D-R-J-O-E.com. You can set up a time right online. You can call us. We accept most insurances, car accidents, sports injuries, Medicare. We want to be your doctors. And the supplements, by the way, are also available on the, on the website, drjoe.com. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito at the website, drjoe.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app.